Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. So how many of you are ready for the word this morning? We want to begin with a word of prayer. And obviously this past week, we reflect on the tragic event of 9-11, the bombing of the World Trade Center, and the attack on the Pentagon. Uh, Today, our nation, the Western states, are dealing with wildfires that are ravaging the land, destroying lives property, homes, and businesses. Uh, According to the latest report, there's about 560 wildfires in California and Oregon uh, alone. So it's absolutely heartbreaking to see the devastation. And so let's just join our faith together as we pray and and lift up these needs and also the service. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the ministry of your word. And Father, we're mindful of, of... others in this nation that are dealing with tragedy. Father, we we pray for rain in the western states to um, end these fires. And and Father, we pray for the winds to die down. We pray for the health, the well-being of the inhabitants of of those being affected right now. And those that have suffered loss, Father, of loved ones, the loss of homes and property, we pray for your grace and mercy to minister to them in this time of devastation. And Father, we look to you. And Father, as we call to mind your faithfulness, we thank you that you're faithful. Father, even when things don't seem to go uh, the way we may have expected them to. Father, we look to your mercy and we pray for mercy to be extended. Father, as your people, we call out to you. Father, you said if, if, if we pray, Father, if we turn from our wicked ways, then you would hear from heaven. Forgive our sin and heal our land. Father, forgive us for where we've sinned against you as a nation. And Father, let healing, Father, begin to to be expressed, Father, in the hearts and lives of people. Let there be revival. Let there be restoration. Let there be a move of your spirit in this season. And Father, we continue to pray against the spread of COVID-19. We thank you for healing and a cure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is, um, let me just start by saying this. Uh, There is a time, and the title of this message again is The Limits of Isolation. The Limits of Isolation. Isolation can limit you in your potential, in your calling, in your God-given purpose that has been determined for your life. And now there is a time and a place for isolation. But you limit yourself if you stay there, if you stay in that place of isolation. You and I were not meant to live in isolation, but to live and interact with others in meaningful relationships. So there's a time for solitude. We see that Jesus and his disciples saw the necessity for that. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, uh, The scripture reads, in these days, this is speaking, referring to Jesus. He went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Now, what's interesting about that particular setting, when Jesus separated himself and isolated himself to pray, he was praying because he was seeking God concerning decisions that he needed to make. And the decisions, particularly in selecting his 12 
disciples. And so that required him to get away, to get apart, to isolate, so he could pray to hear clearly from God. We see also in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 32, in the New King James Version, it says, So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. So that was a time as a group, they separated themselves, isolated themselves, and they, they really were there to, to connect and to seek God and to really hear from Jesus. Now, you limit yourself in isolation if it is for an extended period of time. Extended times of isolation are unhealthy. In fact, you lose touch with reality, and you can actually morph into your own little world, uh, which really isn't reality. I want to share just a, a, a little story. This is actually history. In 1974, uh, there was a Japanese soldier, Hiro Onada, who was a... Uh, well, let me just say this. He was a Japanese Army intelligence officer who was found on the remote Philippine island of Lubang. And he was fighting a war that was already over. In fact, he was actually persuaded by a former uh, officer, a former colleague of his, to come out of hiding. And uh, Mr. Onada wept uncontrollably as he agreed to lay down his rifle, unaware that the Japanese forces had surrendered 29 years earlier. Did you ever hear that story? Yeah. He returned to Japan the same year and was unable to adapt to life in his home country, and he uh, immigrated actually to Brazil in 1975. Uh, Interesting. Uh, so the, you, you think about that soldier in isolation and one, what went through his mind. You know, he was at, obviously in a survival mentality, but he wasn't informed of reality and where things were at with current events, obviously. There was another incident in 1972. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I can pronounce this guy's name. I think it's Sochi Yokia. <laughs> Yeah, I'll spell it for you. No, I don't need to spell it. You can look it up. Uh, He was found on the island of Guam and returned to Japan. And uh, Yokie was left behind by retreating Japanese forces and went into hiding rather than surrender to the Americans in the jungles of Guam. He actually carved survival tools, and for the next three decades, he was waiting for the return of the Japanese and his next orders. Um, after he was discovered in 1972, he was finally discharged and sent home to Japan. He, he was discharged from the military service, um, where he was hailed as a national hero. He died in 1997. Now, until he came out of isolation, he had no idea that the war had ended. Now, Think about that. Some people are battling wars that have ended and they don't realize it because of isolation. And maybe, maybe that's a place that you're in today because you've isolated yourself in a degree. Not that you've secluded yourself from every other person around you, 
But isolation is more than just a physical issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a mental issue. And isolation mentality, I believe, has come upon our society and has resulted in devastating consequences. Now, isolation often is a default that occurs in our life because of shame and pride. See, we retreat. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we're good enough. And we fail to reach out for help. We don't cry out for help. We don't ask for help. The fact is we need each other. We really do. We need each other. And we'll never really reach our full potential in the place of isolation. We need each other. First Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at a couple of passages there. So turn in your Bibles to that place. First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 14 reads, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And, and there's a correlation, there's an allegory shared in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of a physical body relating to the body of Christ. And your physical body has many members, but you are all interconnected and you relate to one another. The members of your body need to function together. And when it doesn't, there's issues. You know, so in, in this we see parallel to the body of Christ, to the church of Jesus Christ in the earth. In verses 19 and 20 in 1 Corinthians 12, it goes on to say, if we, or if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. There's many parts, there's much diversity, but yet we're one body. So I want to talk about isolation limitation and address this just for a couple of moments here. Now, Proverbs 18.1, and you need to mark this scripture down. You need to turn there and look at this. But the English Standard Version reads this way. Guess what? The Bible does address isolation. It really does. And this verse hits it head on. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. See, when, when I read this, I have to come to a conclusion that isolation with that issue, part of it is a matter of pride and self-seeking rather than seeking God. He breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, a person who isolates himself thinks that he knows better than everyone else. That even though they might try to speak something into this person's life, they'll discard it and say, no, that, doesn't, that means nothing to me. So consider this, that when you are retreating into a place of isolation, are you seeking your own desire are you seeking God's desire? Because as I said earlier, there are times we isolate to connect with God, to get alone with God, and have time with God, but we can't stay there. We have to come out. Isolated means far away, to define it actually, far away from any, everyone or anything else. Now the hermit who lives on a remote island is isolated from the rest of the world. And uh, with nothing but pineapples and sand or whatever is there, um, 
and fish to keep him company. You know, there's not a whole lot out there. The word isolated comes from the Latin word insula, I-N-S-U-L-A, which means island. And you've probably heard the phrase, uh, they become an island to themselves. And so that's really the, the context or the sense of isolation is you become an island to yourself. You don't want to let others in. You're not open to connect with others. And a lot of times people are afraid to connect with others because they fear rejection. They don't want to be rejected because maybe they may not be liked. So they tend to isolate. So they avoid the whole issue of rejection. Or maybe there's a sense of, of shame on their life and they don't have a good God esteem and a value for who they are. And so they don't think they have anything to offer or contribute to others. But realize every one of us do. Every one of us has something significant to bring to the table. Okay? Now, isolate is to be or remain alone or apart from others. Now, um, I don't know about you, and I'm I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I know that some of you are addicted to solitaire. A long pause there. Sometimes you spend too much on that game. Solitaire is a game that you play all by yourself. You don't need anybody to play solitaire. And, and uh, the problem with it is um, if, if you lose the game, you can either blame yourself because you didn't correctly try to figure the cards out, or you can blame it on the deck or the deck that you were dealt. And uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, you may have felt that you were dealt the deck of cards in life that is unfair. And, but we're all in this together, okay? We really are. Now, isolated is really being or feeling set or kept apart from others. And see, isolation can occur even when you're in a crowded room. You can feel isolated from the rest of the people there. Now, in Leviticus chapter 13, we see a whole lot about isolation. Uh, Moses is talking about leprosy and the disease and how to deal with it. And so in Leviticus 13, Moses instructs uh, the priest on isolating reported cases of leprosy. Uh, which is a contagious skin disease, which is also what's happening now. We, we isolate those that, uh, 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 you know, uh, come up with COVID-19. When they're diagnosed with COVID-19, when they test positive, they become isolated. Uh, and it's realizing that isolation, there's times for it, and rightly so, in, in those situations. In Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 21, we see a king who had to go into isolation because of the sin of leprosy. I mean, the sickness of leprosy. Uh, let me just rephrase this, because um, we can often parallel leprosy as sin. Uh, sin is a leprosy in our life that we need to be set free from, and Jesus can set us free from it. But in Second Chronicles 26, 21, it says, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord, 
And, and we, can, we can stop right there. So we see that he was isolated in his own house. And so many times there is this thing of leprosy that isolates people. Because leprosy was a disease that was very contagious, and people couldn't get close to somebody with leprosy. In fact, if a leper was walking down the street, he had a certain garment he wore to identify himself as a leper, and he had to cry, unclean, unclean, so people would steer away from him because of his leprosy. I want to make this statement. You can write it down. It's time to relate, not isolate. It's time to relate, not isolate. ISO and the letters RE are two significant prefixes to the word lated. Okay? Isolate or relate. Isolated or related. Related is belonging to the same family, group. It's being connected or identifying with. Now the bottom line is, Isolation limits our growth. It limits our potential to achieve and succeed in the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for our life. I'll say that again. Isolation limits growth, potential to achieve and succeed in the plan and the will of God and his purpose for our life. So it's a limiting factor. A proven and tested solution to overcome the limits of isolation is to connect to a small group. And this is Small Group Sunday. And so that's why we're identifying this, because we were never meant to do life alone. Small groups are about bringing people together to interact with each other and to grow in Jesus, to grow in your walk with God. Uh, this is a place to explore and connect with groups and meet uh, with others that can help you in your journey with God. In Acts 2020, we see a, a very good verse that actually addresses this concept of small groups. And we'll read also verse 21. Acts 2020, and when you think of 2020, 2020 vision, we need to have 2020 vision. And 2020 vision for this church is we meet together in gatherings like this. But then we also meet in smaller groups. So this is we, a pattern that we see in the Scripture, in the book of Acts. And the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, How he did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public, such as gatherings like this, and from house to house. Verse 21 goes on to say, Testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's, there's many reasons for small groups. And I'm going to share a couple before we bring this to a close. And at, at this time, actually, the, the worship team can come up. Small groups are a valuable means of helping people grow in the church. It's helping you grow in your walk with God. Um, a small group is... Is really a gathering of people interested in spiritual growth. And uh, here's just a, a few statements we can share on their purpose. Small groups foster closer and meaningful relationships and community. Small groups provide a comfortable introduction for non-believers 
to the Christian faith. Small groups provide an ideal way to care for the needs of people within the church. Small groups provide a way for believers to live out their faith instead of merely hearing more preaching or teaching, which is good. We're not saying that that's bad, but uh, to be able to live it out, to interact in small groups, ask questions. Small groups participate in focused prayer for one another. There's, there's more time allotted to be able to pray for each other's needs. Small groups provide a comfortable atmosphere for openness where you can share, where you can relate to others. Small groups provide uh, for mutual edification among believers where you can encourage and build each other up. Small groups provide a source of encouragement and accountability because when you don't show up, you're missed and somebody's going to follow up and say, hey, where have you been? I missed you. Small groups help cultivate leadership within the church because small groups need a leader so it gives more opportunity for people to lead. And, and there are three myths or actually false beliefs that prevent people from joining small groups. Three beliefs that prevent people from joining small groups. The first one is the belief that there is not enough value to them. You just don't see them valuable. But you need to place the value on them. And when you do, you see the benefit of that value in your life. And number two, the belief that I don't think I will fit in or be accepted. That's a false belief. Just have, you have to get over that. You really do. See, everyone is loved and accepted and has something to offer from their own life story. You have something to give that can benefit another. And you have something that you can receive that will benefit you from others. Uh, in a small group, no one's put on a spot. Uh, you just encourage to grow at your own pace. And then the third false belief is that there's just not enough time. I have such a busy schedule. There's not enough time in my schedule. One of the things we did, we used to have a midweek service. We used to have Sunday night services. Well, we don't have a midweek service, and the encouragement was instead of doing the Wednesday night, connect a small group. Sustained life change and spiritual growth happens best in a small group. It's Jesus when he was with his 12 disciples, a small group, where they gained more than when he spoke to the big crowds. There's so much that went on in the dynamic of the small group when Jesus would meet with his disciples. Um, Sarah Stiff, are you here today? I want you to come up and share a testimony. This woman, we recently met with her. She's a businesswoman in town. Um, we kind of chuckled. She's a chiropractor. Her last name is Stiff. So if you're Stiff, she's the gal you want to see. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Just take... Oh, you thought you got out of it. <laughs> but there's a moment. I wanted to save the best for last, okay? So... 
So my name is Sarah Stiff, and I'm a chiropractor here in town. Actually, my office is located in Plover. And Pastor Deb asked me to, I'm a very emotional person, so I'll just kind of get that out right away. She asked me to share my story about small group. But my story about small group started long before I decided to open my office. Um, I joined Refuge officially about five years ago with my husband at the time. And in Christmas of 2017, he left. I was devastated, absolutely devastated. And it was meeting with Pastor Deb telling me, you know, like, it's going to be okay, we'll get through this. But what she said to me is, there's a small group, and it's a women's small group, and they're going to be reading this book called The Armor of God. And I didn't really know about The Armor of God. And so I was really down on hope at that time. So I went to this small group, and it changed my life. And it wasn't just that I learned about The Armor of God. It was that I learned that there's other people going through things and challenges that are just as hard. And if you remember what Pastor Matt said last week is people disappoint you and people give up on you, but God never does. He's always there. And my small group is what reminded me that God is always there for me. And so the, the group has changed a little bit over the, over the years, and now it's Ashley's Fireside group for, group for women. And... It has gotten me through so many challenges, but that big challenge recently is, you know, as I was going through my divorce and I was growing as a person, I was growing in my faith in God, I realized that God was leading me to leave my current position um, in an office here in town and start my own practice. And I started that practice in the start of COVID. I decided that I was going to do it. It was, it needed to be done. I needed to be in a place that matched my core values, that matched my faith. So I started a brand new practice with the money I had in my bank account, which wasn't much. So it was the faith of God and the support of my small group and me learning through small group the power of prayer that I was able to start a successful office and be happy because I have God with me and I have the prayer and the fellowship of my small group and the relationships that I built in them and forever will I be grateful for Ashley and her husband Jason who were also saviors in my family not just for me but for my children and I wouldn't have made those connections if I wasn't in a small group Amen Thank you sir Amen Give a hand And let me just say that's one of many testimonies of what God can do through a small group connection. You know, if it was just coming on Sunday mornings, you know, in and out, and we'd see her at the door, and, you know, I could tell, looking at Sarah, that she was going through a difficult time. Going through a divorce is not easy. And being there, well, we'll pray for you. And, but then the small group connection was so vital. And pastorally for Deb and I, the small groups help us serve the needs of this congregation because we cannot do it alone. We really can't. But we together can serve each other. And small groups is a way that they can be accomplished. So um, I want to close this service to do two things. The first is to extend an invitation to you if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the second is is to pray a prayer to break an isolation spirit off of your life so you can come out of isolation and connect 
in a healthy, meaningful relationship with other believers within his body. More than any other time, we need each other. We need the church. We need the body. And we need to be strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I want you to bow your head. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. I'm uncertain if I were to die that I'd even go to heaven. But I want to know. I want to make peace with God here and now. Before I leave this building, I want to make my peace with God. If that's you and you sense a stirring in your heart, you feel the Holy Spirit uh, wooing you to the Lord, I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. And today I want it to be right, made right with him. Lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I see those hands. I'm going to have you stand at this time. And I'm going to lead in a prayer which I call the Believer's Prayer. And I simply encourage you to pray this prayer after me. And as you do, let these words become your words and embrace them from your heart. And as you pray this prayer to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, he will come in. He will make a difference. He changes us from the inside out and gives us peace that the world cannot give us. Let's pray. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. And I acknowledge Jesus, who you sent to die for my sins. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. I receive you now and confess you as my Lord. Forgive me, Jesus. I repent of my sin. Come into my life and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for those that lifted their hands. Lord, you said that if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creature. You said if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the life that you give us, for the fresh start, the new beginning. In Jesus' name, we pray. For those that did raise your hand in a moment, we're going to have the prayer team up here after the closing song, and we invite you to come forward for prayer. For the rest of you, let's break that isolation spirit off of our life. We're coming out of isolation. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, I pray for everyone that is gathered here today and everyone under the sound of my voice. And we take authority over isolation and the negative effects that it's brought in people's lives. Father, we thank you that you desire us to be set free from isolation that has brought limits into our life. Father, we can break off those limitations by the power of your Spirit and walk in your freedom. In Jesus' name, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Let's worship God as we declare that we will see a victory.
Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.